In our first reading, the Lord God, through his prophet Ezekiel, challenges two old beliefs common among his people, that children inherit the guilt of their ancestors and are punished for it, and that God is more strict than merciful. Here, the Lord God declares his option for personal responsibility, which means each person is to be rewarded or punished according to his or her individual actions, not for someone else's. We often think that it is not fair for God to reward or punish one based only on one's final option for God or against God, without considering one's lifetime indulgence in vices or lifetime practice of virtues. The prophecy's response is that God always gives people a chance to change and to accept the consequences of that change. In our second reading, citing Jesus as the supreme model of obedience to the Father's will, St. Paul also affirms the truth that those who make the final choice for God will be rewarded. Using lines from a hymn of early Christian belief, which existed long before Paul penned his letters to the Philippians, the apostles reminds his community of their obligation to look others to others' interests rather than their own. The message is that if we are united with Christ in his faithful obedience to God, we will also share his glory. Paul adds that such faithfulness and obedience to God demand that we should do nothing out of selfishness or vainglory. Instead, we should humbly regard others as more important than ourselves, each looking out not for his own interest, but also for those of others. In our gospel, Barclay calls this parable the better of two bad sons. Jesus presents us with a vineyard owner who has two sons. Both sons are asked by their father to go and work in his vineyard. The first son, when asked, says no. He later changes his mind and goes. The second says, yes, sir, but does not go. Jesus then asks his listeners, which of the two did the father's will? They answer, the first, and their correct answer strengthens Jesus' case against them. The message of the story is crystal clear. There are two very common classes of people in this world. First, there are those like the parable's first asked son whose practice is far better than their profession. Second, there are people like the second asked son whose profession is much better than their practice. While the first class should be preferred to the second, neither is anything like perfect, because the really good man is the man in whom profession and practice meet 
and match. The ideal son in this parable would be one who accepted the father's orders with grace and respect and who unquestioningly and fully carried them out as Jesus obeyed his father's orders. The only sign of belonging to the kingdom is faithfulness to the will of God. The parable underlines the necessity of our responding with a continual yes to the saving act of God. Further, this parable teaches us that promises can never take the place of performance, and fine words are never a substitute for fine deeds. In other words, the parable clearly teaches the Christian way is followed in performance, not in promise alone, and that the mark of a Christian is obedience, graciously, promptly, and courteously given. That is, we are not supposed to say yes to God on Sundays and no to God on weekdays. God does not want polite but hypocritical words, for that isn't obedience at all. Our life messages this week, first, we need to lead a responsible Christian life saying yes to God. Each one of us is responsible to God for every one of our actions, and the just God will punish or reward each of us according to our actions. As we do not know at what moment death will take us, our only guarantee of dying in God's friendship is to live in that friendship always, saying yes to God in our deeds. We should become men and women who profess our faith in word and deed, remembering that not all of those who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but those who do the will of the Father who is in heaven. Second, instead of trusting in lame excuses, we need to seek God's mercy. We often use flimsy excuses to silence our conscience. They sound something like this. I didn't realize how sinful I was. I was just too busy with work, family, and a decent social life to have time for Sunday Mass. That's what all my family does. It's got to be okay. I couldn't be different from everyone else. I'd look stupid. I meant to straighten things out. I just didn't get to it. These are not valid excuses at the judgment seat of God. Hence, if we have been disobedient to God in our past life, we need to knock at the door of God's mercy. We need to remember what God in his mercy did for the millions of unknown penitents who are now saints in heaven. He can and will do for us if we repent of our past sins and renew our lives as the first asked son in the parable did. It is never too late for us to be transformed. My brothers and sisters, this is where all the wise maxims we've heard since our youth come from. 
Actions speak louder than words. By their actions, we shall know them. I don't believe what you say. I believe what you do. Our actions speak louder than words. Each of us will be judged based upon our actions. Some thoughts to ponder this next week. Do I understand my limits and am honest about what I can and can't or will and won't do? In my life, where is God calling me to more action and fewer words? Does my yes mean yes and my no mean no? God bless.